talk and discussion. Please sit upright. Very good, whatever chair or cushion or bench you're in, as much as possible to be on your sits bones. So there's an uprightness in the spine that comes from the base of the spine. Letting the front of your body be open. And please adjust or fine tune in any way that's needed to um, to be in a sense, bring a sense of balance to your body sitting here. And of course, the same even if you happen to be lying down or standing. We want to see what supports our being balanced and here present aware and awake in, in this moment. Excuse me, I forget to uh, mute before I clear my throat, but I'll try to remember. Uh, so with the uprightness in your body or getting becoming embodied, see if you can relax here while you become alert at the same time. And of course, becoming alert means first being alert to the body, the weight or lightness that you may feel in the body right now, or the warmth or coolness you might be experiencing. or the sense of tension or tightness or ease that may be in the body. And any sensations, whether they're comfortable or uncomfortable, that are prominent. We want to be aware of what's here and as best we can to relax with it or relax around it. You don't have to fix it or change it. If you can adjust it so it's a little more comfortable, that's always good. But we want to relax with whatever is here. We want to relax around whatever is here. 
letting our consciousness being open to the experience without adding the second arrow of our reaction. And of course, if we even have reactions to what's here, then relaxing around our reaction and letting it be here in a relaxed way. And it's very helpful for many of us to become aware of what's called in traditional Buddhist practice, the wind element or the breath. Sometimes called the air element or wind element. And being aware of the body sitting here breathing. following or being close to or intimate with the breathing, either at the nostrils or the chest or in the rising and falling of the belly or in the whole body as it breathes. and see what kind of energy or effort it takes to devote yourself to the body sitting here in this present moment, breathing, letting go of your thoughts, ideas, beliefs, concerns, emotions, 
not getting rid of them, but not having to pursue them for a moment, but literally letting yourself come into the simplicity of the aliveness that's sitting here, physically, somatically, kinesthetically. As if you can let your awareness saturate your aliveness, your somatic experience, even if it's very fine or simple or unspectacular. Just a body sitting here breathing. Resting in that which knows, the awareness that knows, that's knowing the body is sitting here breathing. And of course, you'll have thoughts and feelings and other things will happen, but for now, let's just devote ourselves to the body sitting here in this simple moment. Letting thoughts, feelings be in the background. Letting the sounds, even my voice, letting that be in the background. Letting your body, your breath be in the foreground. Beginning to rest in that which knows the awareness that's here, the loving awareness, consciousness that knows the sensations, the movement, the coming and going of each breath.
And for the rest of the meditation, you have two options. You can stay with the body breathing and that which knows the body is breathing. Or if you feel composed, collected here, you can stay with that which knows and be aware of whatever is being known, whether it's thoughts or feelings or sounds or smells or tastes or touch or different sensations in the body or resting with the awareness that's right here. That's who and what we are, in essence, who and what we are. And simply being aware or knowing whatever appears in the phenomenology of being a human being. Being very here, very present, right in the here and now. The only place you actually are anyways is right here. Just coming into harmony with the truth of the way things are. Moment by moment by moment. Even though they're not static, it's always right here. This lack of stasis. Just this moment.
So I would like to give a talk and then we'll have a discussion about what I'm going to speak about. And uh, probably no surprise to you that I'm going to talk about uh, COVID-19 part two, because there may be a lot of parts to this talk that happen over the next few weeks. We'll see what happens. Um, uh, but I was reflecting today on, as I was preparing the talk on, you know, what is it to practice with this illness and this time and the various um, conditions that have arisen based on the, uh, the illness being global, that we're living with a global illness and that together as a human community, we're all learning how to deal with it, respond to it. Uh, react to it. I do have a question for Jeff, which is because I've got my uh, screen on speaker view, but I keep seeing you, Jeff. I don't see me, which I'm surprised about. So, and this is part of practicing with COVID-19 is I'm on, uh, I'm on uh, Zoom a lot these days and I'm still learning how to use it. And should I unmute you, Jeff? Yeah, I'm going to unmute you. Where are you? Here you are. Yeah. So Eugene, you could try to go to gallery view. Yeah. And then you should end up in the top left corner. Uh, I'm, yeah, but I'm right. You're, you're in the top left corner and I'm next to you. I'm one down from you, bro. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so well, yeah. I'm trying to... Uh, and then if I go to speaker view, you're in the speaker view. Um, and somebody in the chat is saying you can also click on the three dots in your window and click pin. Okay, that's a good idea. I'll do that. I'll click on the three dots in my window and click pin. Oh, that's, God, I totally thank you, Anisha. Appreciate the help. Um, good. So now I can at least see myself easily and see if I look good or not, or if I should close the door or not, and things like that. I have a better view of what's going on. Um, and I actually, I'm gonna close the door because it'll help keep it quieter in here. And so since I want to talk about tonight about what it is to practice with COVID-19, it's a variety of things, of course, and it's all the Dharma, it's all practice. And it's practice whether we like it, don't like it, want it, don't want it, you know, and clearly nobody wants this, nobody wants to be uh, dealing with this. I think we're pretty unified in that, in that, uh, in the Vedna of not liking this and not liking how our lives changed immediately by this. And then all the things we've had to do to try to um, deal with uh, the fact that there's this virus that's contagious that we're all living with globally. Uh, and also how to work with all the little 
um, difficulties that are part of it. So, and as a teacher and as a Dharma teacher, like I'm on Zoom now three times a week right now, actually four times a week I'm teaching on Zoom, which, you know, I've done a teeny bit before that. And even now I'm watched that one of the hardest things for me is the Zoom deal and figuring out how to do Zoom and do it well and do it skillfully and, uh, and do it accurately in some way so that it's helpful. Um, so the Dharma of COVID-19, uh, one of my teachers who I was watching on Zoom early this morning said, oh, we've been invaded. It's an alien invasion and we're fighting this alien evasion. And so we have to be at war with it a little bit. And he wasn't kidding even, you know, he's saying, you know, like, where did it come from, right? And isn't it interesting that diseases come from nowhere? Uh, although later, to, and then also I, I, the, I buy the Sunday newspaper now because I like this, I like newspapers and I like to read them a little, but I don't, get them every day I get this Sunday and see what's in it and of course and I don't have it here but I mean there were just all the articles in the whole front section was all about COVID-19 and what's happening globally and locally in different ways and different ways people are dealing with being um, uh, I forget the word socially uh, isolated right now you know, or at least physically isolated by, you know, staying in our homes basically and not doing anything and basically and nothing much being open to do. There's nowhere to go to do anything except the park or the ocean. But I actually rode my bike to the ocean yesterday before it started raining and I was happy to get a bike ride and get out. And then I get to the ocean, I see, oh, all the parking lots there by Ocean Beach are closed you can't go in you can't park there because they're not wanting people to gather in groups because they don't want people to pass the virus if one has it and one doesn't know if one's been exposed or not and so part of what i was thinking about was what is right action here with covid19 and uh and of course, it, I'm going to just say Dharma principles, acting from what is true, acting from what is true and what is known. And of course, acting from what is true and what is known calls on us to act from our presence and our awareness and our mindfulness and our reflection and our investigation of what is true. Because the circumstances, the conditions of what is true keep changing every day. You know, two weeks ago, we weren't all locked down in this way. And, um, you know, and tomorrow we might be locked down even more. We don't know what's going to happen. And so to, to really consider what right action, where, well, uh, what is right action means where does right action come from? That's part of our reflection, that if we're in the Dharma and we're letting the Dharma support us, because I believe this is exactly what the Dharma does, is it supports us through difficulty, through dis-ease, through dukkha, through suffering, 
through the um, the uncomfortability of human reality that is just part of all human reality. And of course, this is not the first epidemic or pandemic that's ever happened in humanity. And people deal with it in different ways. But if you're a practitioner of the Dharma, if you start to have a, if you have a taste of what the Buddha taught, then you know that what's here can deal with it. Even if we don't always know that. We know it implicitly, even when we don't know it explicitly, that somewhere we know, oh, this, and I'm pointing at each of you, this is what can deal with it. And of course, I'm pointing at all of us collectively, this is what can deal with it, meaning the Sangha can deal with it, as well as the, the Buddha nature within each of you can deal with this and can work with it. And Yes. And so where does right action comes from? It comes from us. It comes from our maturity and our humanity, both alone and together, and acting from the skills that we've been given by the Dharma and the skills that we've learned in life. I mean, we've all lived the human life for a while now, right? 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years, 90 I can't see everybody who's out there, but, you know, usually 90 is about the limit. Although I did see a happy birthday notice in the paper today to a woman who turned 100 from her, um, from her children and her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren. She had like great 12 great-grandchildren with one more on the way. And they were excited about that. And it was very, very touching to me, actually, to see... The, the normalcy of just wishing somebody happy birthday and that that's going on right now also. That don't, don't lose track of the ordinary in the extraordinary. Don't lose track of what's good in what's difficult because they're all here. It's all here. All of human life is here. And so part of what right action where it comes from is from our awareness and our discipline and our patience and our kindness. And this is a piece that I've keep hearing and hearing from different people um, and not just Buddhists, but it's time to be dis disciplined about our practice. And that's one of the things we can do in response to COVID-19 is really be disciplined about our distance from others and really be distance, disciplined about how we take care of ourselves, first of all. Because, of course, taking care of ourselves will take care of others, too. Meaning, wear a mask. I wore a mask today for the first time going into a store where I had to buy something. And I hated the mask, totally. And I put on the mask... I could show you, I could demonstrate my mask, but I think you know what they are. They're like, I'm like this. And of course I can't see because the mask, my breath then fogs up my glasses. So then I take my glasses, I put them on my hat. Before, this is before I'm leaving home because I realize they can't. So then I think, okay. and But I put them on my hat for a minute. So then I go to the, the store and I do the whole thing and I'm wearing the mask and good, I'm not, 
if if I've got if I'm contagious, if I've got it, then at least I'm not passing it on. Hopefully, I'm not bringing it in. Right? If somebody else, the storekeeper, has it, who's really a lovely man, a corner store here in San Francisco, who's even he said he said, oh yeah, it's getting scary. It's getting scary is one of the things he said, and I was I was again touched by that because he's such a good good guy, period, right? Just a good man, good family man, and is very kind to people in his store. And uh, and then I come home and I'm unpacking the stuff and putting it away in the paper and everything. And then, and then it's like, I feel my hat and it's like, oh, I couldn't find my glasses. I'm like, oh shit, I lost my glasses. They must have dropped off somewhere. And I started looking around the house to see, and I couldn't find them. And I know well enough right now when I can't find something to do two rounds of looking around. And finally, I found the glasses. So I hadn't dropped them. But I'm, I'm bringing that out because it's part of the kind of anxiety that's around right now that I believe the pandemic is nurturing for many of us. We're not totally grounded. And, and I have an, enough skill at this time in my practice to be aware when I'm ungrounded and, and start to relax around it, or at least say that, oh, I don't know what's going on. Can I relax now? Even though I don't know where the hell my goddamn glasses are and I'm not happy about it. And here they are, you know, thank God, you know, thank goodness I still have some glasses. And so the practice is calling for us to be disciplined, use our intelligence, our heartfulness, our wisdom, and act skillfully, kindly, simply, clearly, sometimes fiercely when it's needed, right? But but practice, it, it's really, a, I, I don't like saying it this way, but I'll say it. Oh, we're all on a forced retreat and it's time to practice 24-7 because there's nothing else to do on retreat. And everything we do is part of practice on retreat. Sitting, walking, lying down, eating, going to the bathroom, showering, getting your food, putting it away, cleaning the dishes, it's all practice. And that's what, and what else is, what are we to do right now except practice with whatever it is that we are doing and can do? And can we relax with the simplicity of our lives because our lives are simpler in some ways and stay in the present moment? Because my guess, and this is just my guess, and you can tell me if I'm wrong a little later, is that actually each of you is basically okay in this present moment. That right here, right now, you're here. You, not that you don't have any problems, I'm not saying that, or not that you don't have feelings, or not that you don't have sensation, things that are uncomfortable, but you're okay. And you can keep resting in the presence that's here, that's knowing that something here is okay. <clears throat> and so part of what it means to, what right action is now, is really acting out of the truth of what 
people who know more than us are telling us from the medical guidelines. Like, right, keep six feet apart, wear a mask, um, wash your hands a lot. You know, wash your hands 10 times a day, 15 times a day, whatever it takes. Every time you go out and touch something, wash your hands. Try not to put your hands on your face. And just do those simple, these are the practices that we're learning. And they're very simple, but they're difficult. And one of the things that can happen is even, um, even relating on Zoom or on the phone or on Skype or FaceTime, however you might be relating to your friends and family and co-workers or colleagues or loved ones, whoever it might be, can you be present with them, with yourself and with them and support them in whatever difficulty they're having? Because this is not just the Buddha's path, this is the Bodhisattva path, because we're all in this together. And really, it's really a, an opportunity for humanity as a whole to re-enact what it means to be human together, what it means to really be alive together, because here we are, this is it. And this is why we practice, is to practice anywhere, everywhere, all the time. So one of the things I wanted to speak about specifically was anxiety, because it's both internal and external. And there's a lot of anxiety, concern, uh, fear, uh, distress, apprehension, angst, nervousness. I know the, my friend at the corner grocery store, he said, yeah, I'm scared. I said, we don't know what's going to happen. This could, this could get worse. And he's right. And it might get. And, and so notice even when you hear that, what happens in your body and in your heart and in your mind, because you want to practice with the fear or anxiety or the concern that may arise because this may get worse. And that's true. It's just, I, I, and we don't know what's going to happen. And so how to live with the not knowing also becomes part of our practice. And remember, the fear is not a bad thing. It's instinctual. It's an instinct that animals have, and we're all animals. And when our life, when our physical life is threatened, there's fear, concern, or, or trepidation, or whatever word you want to use to describe it. And so I was watching where my anxiety arises, and, and really, for me, so far, the main place is, is on the web and on the internet and doing this kind of teaching, just getting it ready so it works so I can relax. That's the idea in my mind. If, if, it, if it's all okay, then I can relax. And of course, my practice then is see, can I relax even if it's not okay? even if I can't figure out like tonight how to get online and open the Zoom, right? Because we, we couldn't, I, what, wherever I was going on my Zoom, it was the old one 
that we had, and now it's now we have a new one. So I had to get there and trip and and Jeff were trying to help me navigate the terrain, and and it's I get uncomfortable. And early this morning, I'm trying to remember what it was, something where I got really anxious. Oh no, it's about my euros. Maybe you don't know what euros are. I don't think I can show it to you right now, but. Um, it's a little um, it's a little device that um, helps the Wi-Fi in my house be in every room, and so the Wi-Fi wasn't good in this room, and I would often get um, internet is uh, your internet is inconsistent or fluctuating, right? While I was doing Zoom, and actually tonight I have Sam getting none of that, which I'm happy about because I figured out how to put the little Wi-Fi adapter in this room, which it hadn't been before. But but getting that right was, I was so anxious about it, how to do it. Like certain instructions are hard for me in technology. And it's part of the, um, the um, aftermath of my brain injury. Certain detailed instructions, and especially in technology, that's not my skill set. And I'm better than I was, way better, but it's still, but I watch my anxiety arise and I just get anxious. And I do have one great skillful means. I know how to say I need help, right? And I say that. And sometimes I get help from, uh, like, t you know, I got help from Tripp and Jeff tonight, or, or um, I'll call my, um, I'll call young people. <laughs> I'll call mine because young people are much better with technology than old people like me. And so uh, I'll call my nephew or, or sometimes I call Pam who, who can be very good with this stuff. And uh, even though she doesn't like being around me when I'm anxious like that, and I'm saying to her, honey, I'm just anxious. She said, yeah, I know, but I don't like that. I'd rather you deal with it by yourself. <laughs> so I'm just, and so I'm giving you a little bit the reality of it even here in my, for me in my home. And also watching Pam's anxiety about um, the internet when something goes wrong. It wasn't the internet. It was something she was trying to do. And she just got so uptight. And it took me a while to realize she was angry because she was scared because she needed to get done what she needed to get done because it had to do with medical stuff and medical su support for her and her diabetes. And when that doesn't work right, she gets scared. But she doesn't just say, I'm scared. She's like, what the fuck is going on? I'm pissed. Get out of here. I don't want to talk to you. I want to get this fixed. And I'm trying to help her with what's happening. And it's like, no, no, she doesn't want me to help. And I, I can take it personally until I see, oh, she's scared. This isn't going to work. And her health will be jeopardized because she can't get whatever it is, insulin or the equipment that she needs to monitor everything for her diabetes. And of course, what fear needs is, is awareness. Because fear can actually translate to alertness. It doesn't have to be just um, 
a reactive experience. It can begin to wake us up like animals wake up when they get afraid. Actually, I talked to a friend of mine this morning, uh, a Mexican woman who's living in LA and we're talking about, she has a little pool and she says she jumps into the pool because it wakes her up and it wakes her up. Why? Not because it's so beautiful and warm. It wakes her up because it's cold and it wakes her up out of her trance that we all kind of live in. And this, this illness is waking, has the potential of waking us all up a little bit more out of the coldness of it and the not knowing what's going to happen. This is from Alan Watts. He says, uh, irrevocable commitment, irrevocable commitment to any religion is not only intellectual suicide, it is positive unfaith because it closes the heart and mind to any new vision of the world. Faith is, after all, openness, an act of trust in the unknown, an act of trust in the unknown. And that's a radical part of practice, is learning to trust the unknown, because whether you think you know or not, we have no idea what's going to happen next. And that's true in this moment, and every moment, and also in the bigger picture, and with this illness right now. We don't know what's going to happen. And so when we can have some faith in the not knowing, we can relax a little. We can be here. Instead of projecting our fears, our concerns, our trepidation, our anxiety onto what's going to happen, because we don't know, we can start to rest here in this one moment, because this is the only moment there is. And so how do you, also when you are afraid, how do you open to the fear and relax with the fear, right? And what, what's the fear like if you're not just cathected to the fear, if you're not just identified with the fear, you know, or, you're not, or you're not just trying to figure out how to make the fear go away, but, and you're not just um, um, immersed in the content of what you're afraid of, but you turn your attention to what it is here that's afraid, what it is physically, somatically, kinesthetically, it, not just intellectually what you're afraid of, but what's the, how do you experience the aliveness that we call fear that sits in our seat sometimes? And what happens if we get closer to the living experience instead of running away from it? or trying to fix it. And that's not an easy practice, but it's a doable practice. And we can all learn more about how to do it. There's one other thing I wanted to read. This is from uh, actually uh, Pema Chodron, who's great at talking about working with difficulty. She said, when things fall apart, we're on the verge of, of, of we know not what. Beautiful, because she's talking about not knowing. When things fall apart and we're on the verge of we know not what, the test for each of us is to stay on the brink and not concretized. 
what I'm calling projection. The spiritual journey is not about heaven and finally getting to a place that's really swell. To stay with that shakiness, to stay with the broken heart, the rumbling stomach, the feeling of hopelessness and wanting to get revenge, that is the path of true awakening. Sticking with the uncertainty, the not knowing, getting the knack of relaxing in the midst of chaos, fear, etc. Learning not to panic even when there's fear, that is the spiritual path. And it's part of what she knows about because she has it too. We all have it at times. Mm. So then the other question for us to consider in our reflections tonight is what brings balance for us? What brings balance with fear? What brings balance with COVID-19? What brings balance when we're having difficulty? Practice. Make sure you're practicing, meaning formal practice. Do at least one sitting a day, right? One sitting a day, carve it out, be fierce about it. Be more fierce now because this is a difficult time and it's needed. There's a, a story about Mahatma Gandhi who, you know, kind of freed the India from the British empire you know, not by himself, but because he was so ruthless in what he understood to be true and right and what right action was. And, uh, but Gandhi, even in the midst of all this chaos that he helped initiate in India and when the British Empire was fighting him, um, he would take one day a week to sit in silence one day a week to sit in silence. And no matter what was happening, that was his day. And people would come to him and say, we have to talk to you. We have to know what you think about this or that. And, uh, and uh, Gandhi would say, uh, sorry, it's, it's, you know, whatever day it was, Wednesday, it's my day. And he would just do that. Because he also knew something bigger about reality, that our fear is not the bottom line. There's something deeper here than our fear or concern, or even the difficulties we're all dealing with. There's something more supporting us that's underneath this reality we call human life. Mm -hmm. And so stillness is not a luxury. It's needed every day. Right, and of course, some other things that bring balance, as I said earlier about myself, is moving your body. If you have a body that moves, get some movement every day. Walk, ride a bike, dance, right? Just do weird things with your body, but let it move, right? Tai Chi, Qigong, anything you know, yoga, moving in that way. But let your body also relax, right? And of course, read, read or see something inspirational that touches you, that moves you. I mean, it is odd, but I read the paper and I get moved by the, I got so moved by the woman who turned 100 and all these people who are wishing her a happy birthday. And even I was sitting with Pam and she said, she said, wow, what moves you about that? And I'm like, I don't know. It's just the ordinariness of human love and how, how 
prevalent that is, you know, in human life. Mm. And don't forget what we know of who and what we are. And whether you call it Buddha nature or loving awareness or that which knows, it's right here and it's right here for each of us. And even if it's just an idea, it's still, I know it's right here for myself and for each of you. Doesn't matter what your practice is or your development or your skills or what experiences you've had. It's still right here. The one who knows is still right here. And that's not our usual sense of self. And again, people use different language, loving awareness that's right here or Buddha nature that's right here. So those are some of my thoughts for today. I'm going to um, unmute uh, whoever, you, you need to raise your hand and, uh, and I'm happy to call on you. Please raise your hands, don't be shy. Even if you're shy, don't be shy. And we wanna hear from you. And I love talking to people and interacting because really the whole Dharma comes alive when we relate. So, and I'll go basically in order. I'm going to start with David. Hi, Eugene. Hi, David. Can you hear me okay? I can, but I'm going to unpin myself so that I can see you. Un I have my video turned off. Okay, well, I'll see a big D there. You, why don't you turn your video on so we could see you? I'm a bit camera shy. Oh, it's okay. Oh, great. You look beautiful. Come on. You could be a star. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Eugene, I used, to, I used to go to your sit in San Francisco, and I lived there, and I loved it. And uh, I guess one of the... Uh, Where are you now? I'm in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. It's, okay. it's not San Francisco, but it's yeah. okay. I definitely left my heart in San Francisco. <laughs> but uh, yeah, one of the one of the blessings, I suppose, uh, unexpected blessings of this whole thing is I've uh, kind of got back into uh, you know the sanghas with uh, yourself and Howie on Tuesdays. Great, 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 great. So yeah, I suppose my story I wanted to share uh, is you know the coronavirus really hasn't been a big impact on my month last month because I had a pretty, pretty big uh, tragedy unfold at the start of the month. So uh, uh, Say that again? The I tragedy. had a tragedy at the start of, on March 2nd, basically. Uh -huh. Okay, I'm sorry. What happened, you want to say? Yeah, so my wife, uh, our first baby, was born, stillborn. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. So, yeah, so that uh, the coronavirus thing was just unfolding around then or starting to accelerate. But, um, yeah, so the, I guess the, I just, the thing I wanted to share with you was, um, yeah, so, you know, the, that, the coronavirus thing doesn't perturb me, you know, after going through that. And, you know, I, it's kind of unusual, but, I, like, I feel almost uh, stronger uh, uh -huh. after, after the experience, because maybe what you just said about um, children, you know, like, uh, yeah, I guess you, you're, you, it's a big test or you don't know what's going to happen. And it was pretty traumatic. Like, you know, my wife could have died, you know, and I was there for all of it. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So 
I, that's I'm glad. Um, thank you. Really, thank you. And I believe you might be able to feel all our hearts open hearing this because it's moving and touching and we're sorry. And I'm glad your wife survived and is okay. And I'm yeah. glad you're okay. And, um, you know, and I'm sure you're grieving the, the child because that's yeah. part of the deal. And it's part of the love that was there even before that child was born, right? And is still here. And I would really encourage you to keep doing metta for that child because I don't know exactly what happens after one dies, but uh, I know the metta is, is good. And so keep sending good wishes wherever he or she it is now. And may it be well. Yeah. And may it be safe now. And may it, if it's going to be reborn again, who knows? I don't know all the details of those things, but I have a great faith in the good-heartedness that even I see in you. Mm -hmm. and, and that that good-heartedness is bigger than anything. Yeah. So I was, I was lucky. Uh, thank you. Um, I was lucky that uh, my mother and sister were able to come over from Ireland, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. and, and Ireland, like in Ireland, you know, we, we kind of do debt better than anyone, you know, the whole fuels and. Oh yeah. 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 You know, you know, in Ireland, like the whole community comes and uh, supports people, you know, during that period. And so there's a, there's uh, a know, good familial sangha feeling in Ireland in that way. Yeah, massive. So yeah, I was I was lucky that my mother and sister were able to come over, and we we found a nice Irish priest who, uh, you know, who, we had a small little service, and we were able to, you know, acknowledge her the baby. The baby was called Asha. And uh, say the name yeah, again, so, please. Say Asha. the name. Asha. Asha. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh, yeah. Got it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, and it's just uh, yeah, it's brought myself and my wife closer together, and um, you know, obviously there's lots of ups and downs ahead, but uh, sure. yeah, just yeah, like uh, yeah. Well, I guess my, my one question to you is like, I almost felt like I, it was like I'd taken Prozac or something afterwards because no, you know no. it's, it's, e it's easier for me to meditate now and. Uh, yeah, no, it's just, I'm surprised that, you know, it hasn't, you know, I was expecting it to destroy me or something. No, it hasn't destroyed you. And it, you know, it may break your heart, but it also can break your heart open. And, um, you know, I teach them around a Sati retreat uh, every year at Spirit Rock, mindfulness of death, because death wakes us up. And it wakes us up, even though we all have people, young, old, you know, friends, lovers, family, you know, who die. And it breaks our heart and it can break our heart open. And it's a surprise sometimes like you're suggesting, but it's not, uh, it's not unusual actually. Okay. That's, that's good to know. Yeah. yeah. I guess the final, the final thing I would say is, um, yeah, it, it just, yeah, like you said, it just woke me up and, you know, I kind of thanked the baby, you know, when I was in the hospital for like, you know, making me see my wife in a different way. And, uh, 
oh. for for making me appreciate life and being you know so I'm, I'm hoping you know that yeah. I can keep that you know honor that and keep it alive that you, appreciation you don't have to keep it alive it's already alive it's not going to die and you might forget sometimes but you'll remember and it's just yeah. becomes who you are and trust it thank you yeah thank you glad you came on and i could see you also appreciate it all right thank you You're thank welcome. you Okay. Um, Gaston. Hi. Hi, Eugene. Hi, everybody. Hi. I've been wanting to share this for the last couple of weeks, and I'm really glad for the, the talk you gave today because it really relates and helps me how I've been feeling with some anxiety. So I've been feeling this paradox. On the one hand, um, I feel very close to like humanity as a whole, intellect. Mm -hmm. And when this thing started in China, I, I'm ashamed to admit that I thought it was a problem far away that didn't relate to me. Yeah, very, very normal though. I hope you know that, right? I know, I know. But you know, like in hindsight, I, yeah. when it hit Italy, I'm from Argentina and there's a, you know, a lot of familiarity with Italy. I immediately thought it can happen there, it can start happening everywhere. Uh, and now it's happening everywhere. So, so in one aspect, I feel like we're all in this together, like really believe that and feel that way. But then when it translates to my actual life, uh, I live by myself and if I go outside, I want to be as far away from people as possible, right? And so if I go for a walk or a run, I'm doing it very early in the morning, so I see the least amount of people, and I'm able to, to wave at somebody hello from far away and smile. Mm -hmm. So that part's good. Uh, but going to a grocery store, uh, mm -hmm. it's like a, uh, so there's so much anxiety inducing right now. Some people go to the stores wearing headphones, they're oblivious of the surroundings. Meanwhile, I'm trying to you know, keep distance and all of that. And I went um, last Thursday, and at some point, I almost broke up, broke down crying. Like I, I felt it together, uh, but I had this thought in my head, which is funny because you mentioned it. Uh, somehow I told myself, you don't know what's happened, meaning, you don't know if the person walking next to you has it or not. You don't know if you could get it or not, right? So yeah. I just thought that thought and I kind of calmed myself down enough to continue shopping and then leave. Uh -huh. Yeah, you don't know. Yeah, but yeah, that, so, and then I felt, I feel a lot of compassion for the people that work at these stores. So it's just like a very difficult um, uh, to navigate emotionally what's happening to me when I'm, a, you know, in this area. On one hand, I'm really, you were talking about being afraid, mm -hmm. uh, but I feel like it's a biological fear. It's not, yeah, not. Yeah, 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 no, but it is. It's instinctual. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it is. But you can be aware of it. You don't have to be identified with it. Because mm -hmm. you, you're already aware of it. And the awareness is not bound to what it's aware of. You may have heard me say this before, right? Mm -hmm. 
It's the best thing I say just about, because it's true. And even now, you know, the awareness is here. And the awareness is actually not afraid or not worried or not planning what to do next. It's just aware of when you're afraid or you're worrying or you're planning or you, or when you relax. Either way, it's just aware of whatever arises, which is why uh, um, Ajahn Chah would talk about rest in the one who knows. Because the one who knows is right here and it's always been here. That can, that can create that little space, right? So it's right. Hard. Right. It, it gives some room, or, or in my words, you, one relax around, relaxes around whatever is difficult, whatever is painful. Yeah. So keep practicing. And the tears are not a bad thing. We all are going to cry about this because is, this, is, this is some serious dukkha that's happening, and it could easily get way worse. And, you know, it's really, it's just very moving sometimes to, you know, to see the dukkha, you know, and it's not just, and the tears help the, the, the heartbreak move through us and not just stay here. Baby happening, just not in the supermarket yet. <laughs> well, you know, believe me, in the supermarket, we're all here together. Mm -hmm. Believe me, if you're in my supermarket, I'm not going to think what's wrong with that guy. You know, I'll say, see if we can help you or something, even to talk from six feet away. I'll hug you from six feet away. Okay? Thank you. Okay, take care. Okay. Miru. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, hi. Hi. Um, yeah, always thankful for this, Sangha. Um, the question I have today is, um, so I, I uh, lead this mindfulness group at work and I see two different reactions when <coughs> they come to sit with us uh, for daily sitting. I do the daily sit with them. And uh, we created that for the, this COVID situation so that we can create a space for people, people to come and be together. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes people say, they cannot relate to their work anymore because work doesn't seem to matter. In this grand, like this pandemic, people find their work so unimportant. <laughs> um, so I, I don't think it's that, that they, they, their work doesn't matter, but everything else is so uh, majorly yeah. grave um, and they cannot find the same level of the importance in the work that they used to find um, before. And then kind of they're overwhelmed by the situation. And the other reaction I see here from people is that um, they they indulge in work, almost like overwork, to avoid uh, as an avoidance uh, response to the situation that's going on. They want to forget about what's going on, so sure. they instead they just indulge in, indulge in work more. Right. Um, so I, I would like, I wanted to hear from you, like what would be the right words to share with these people when they say one or the other responses. Um, so I know you will discover the right words. I'll tell you a few words that I might say that could be helpful, but, but partly you discover the right words by saying them and then seeing what happens because it's not just one right word. 
And like for the people who are feeling, um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to see what the right word is for the people who, who, who they're, they're in what they're aware of is meaninglessness. Yeah. The, the first, you know, the first bullet point that you mentioned, right? And so you want to point them at being aware of, oh, what's the experience of meaninglessness like in their body and in their heart and their mind, and 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 is it, um, and what happens if they stay aware of it instead of just believing it? Mm-hmm. Right. And of course, and then it'll bring up, often it'll bring up more. Right. It's not just that it's meaningless. It's like, I'm totally worried about what's going on outside. This is way more important. Mm -hmm. And then you can point them at their heart because they care about something that is bigger than them and is bigger than their work. It's true. And so you can say you are seeing something that's true. But but um, your part in the whole picture of the big, if your your um, action in the big picture is still important because we have to keep human society functioning. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what your work is or what your the business is you work in, but whatever it is, we just need to keep it going. Even just to help normalize life a little bit right now, and that's important not just for oneself but for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I mean, because a lot of people are working, and I mean, believe me, whenever people are are delivering stuff or or doing stuff or cleaning the streets still, or or you know, are helping you know, like all the different. Um, uh, um, uh, areas of help, whether it's the police or the firemen or the hospitals or the doctors or the nurses or the health professionals or the people who work at um, homes where people are older and disabled, I mean, et cetera, et cetera. That's all really important work. And just, and people who work on the internet, I mean, because of all those people on the internet who've done this technology, we can actually be in contact. And so that's, it's all important right? Our lives are important. Um, they may not be the most important thing. That may be true, but it's still important. And then the second piece was, what was it? The, that they uh, kind of indulge in work more. They over- oh, right. Because they right. want to stay away from this whole thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, tell them to keep working more. <laughs> <laughs> no, joke with it. I mean, of course, that's me joking. But it is like, oh, yeah, is that really what you want to do is work more? And what else might you do if there's some time here that is available to you that's not usually available to you? Because you can't go to the movies or to restaurants and have a big dinner for three hours somewhere da, 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 or whatever, whatever people do. You can't go bowling or, you, you know, whatever. And so what else might you do that you haven't done? Do you want to read a book? You know, or do you want to sing? Or do you want to, so here, this is Eugene's little attempt to do something different, which is, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm now a member of Duo, uh, Duolingo. Du, du, yeah, Duolingo. Yeah. So I'm trying to learn a little bit of another language, which I've always been really bad at my whole life, but I would really like to learn 
some more language and it's been fun to do it and it's different and it's not my thing but it's a great better way to spend my time than watching the news right because the news is like i mean we should all watch the news that doesn't support our being free right now it supports our dealing with this pandemic if we watch a half an hour of news a day period because that's all that's really needed everything else is is too much and and so i really want to encourage all of you don't overindulge in news and again even like reading the paper today was like oh my it was just all about pandemic there was nothing else i mean the sports section now is one page of course there's no sport but you know that's why i used to like to read the newspaper so anyhow thank that, you yeah thank you and appreciate you doing work with the people you work with and helping helping there because we all need some help now and we still have a little time but i don't see any hands up so you know you got to put it you got to go to manage participants or somewhere down there and there's a little thing chat and you can raise your hand no not chat it's not chat i want to get rid of chat who knows how to raise the hand jeff do you know how to do that wait i'll unmute you go ahead wait there you go jeff go to participants and um once you if that there's a little thing that says raise hand yeah and then it should pop up for me so every we're all getting technologically sophisticated learning how to do it paul just sent a message who paul. did paul did uh and so you, you can click on the three dots. No, no, no. I'll go to participants and then click raise hand. Yep. That's it. Simple. It's at the bottom of your screen, participants. Okay. Lloyd, you look like you're trying to raise your hand and you're not having any luck. I ended up losing my camera. Oh, okay. Um, I've, 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 I've called on you anyways. Were you trying to raise your hand? I was. I was. I just wanted to uh, give a shout out today. In the, I was reading about a Navy captain in Guam who is captain of the uh -huh. Theodore Roosevelt. And that, you know, uh -huh. my career was the ship's captain. And, and I was very proud and touched by how this captain <clears throat> basically took a hit on his career to yeah. stand up to protect the lives of his crew. And um, yeah, it touched me very deeply. Uh, I, I feel like he's a, uh, he's a hero in a time when a lot of our leaders are not heroes. Uh, great, I'm glad you brought him into the room here with all of us, because I saw the, an article about him and yeah, he totally, you know, was, because of coronavirus on his ship with 5,000 men who he's leading on that ship. He, he was pretty strong with his 
languaging to the Navy about what needed to happen, and he made it happen. He got them to get off the ship and be isolated so they could be cared for and it would help protect the other people on the ship, which at first the Navy didn't want to do. And it is one of the things about um, uh, this kind of dukkha is you start to see, oh yeah, everybody's not just responding out of uh, greed or fear or delusion, but people are responding out of love and care and maturity. And we can recognize the bodhisattvaness of the of the Navy captain who did this, you know, who's who's responsible and in his own heart and mind feels responsible for five thousand of his um, uh, sailors or sail people. I don't know how you say sailors where it doesn't sound male. I want it to sound both because he has both men and women on his crew, and uh, yeah. So thanks for bringing that in, Lloyd. Thank you. Anybody else before we end? Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna mute you now, Lloyd. Bye. Oh, a bunch of hands went up. Wow. Okay. I didn't see it. Uh, Patricia. Hi. Hi. Hi, Patricia. Nice to um, see you. Yeah, one of the things I decided to do was to only look at the news every other day. <laughs> Good. Because it just is too much. I get overwhelmed and then I can't focus on on my life. And, you know, I'm also just going through a hard time personally. So uh -huh. I, I, I can't, uh, I just, just made it a real rule that I only look at the news every other day. Yeah, great. That seems like plenty to me. And really, it's so helpful to support yourself because then you'll be able to support others. The more you can take care of yourself. And, and that's, the Buddha said that over and over again about compassion, it starts here, and then it can open up. And it doesn't have to open up until we're ready for it to open up. Thank you. Sure, thank you. One more iPhone, there's an iPhone somebody. Hey, Eugene, this is Tasha. Oh, hi, um, Tasha. I might have this wrong, but I was listening to one of your classes in the last week, and you were talking about having a feeling or emotion and setting it aside and coming back to the breath. Mm -hmm. But I didn't really understand fully how to do that, and I was hoping you could expand upon it. Sure, I will. Were you listening on a, were you on a Tuesday or Thursday class, one of those? I think so. Yeah, mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, so the main 
thing in that class where we're really emphasizing going through the Satipatthana Sutta and the body and staying with the body and breath. It's learning how to use a certain muscle that the motions here, you're not trying to get rid of it, but you're being a little bit diligent or ardent about staying with the body and breath. And the, and the motion becomes secondary. And, and if the motion's so strong, you can't, it doesn't, it keeps coming to the foreground, then breathe through it, breathe with it consciously you're still focusing on the breath first. And, we're, and this was because you were on the mindfulness of breathing class, which I was emphasizing mindfulness of breath. And what does it mean to be ardent, uh, uh, fully aware and mindful with the breath? And so, and, and then, and it doesn't mean the motion won't be there, it'll be there, but you keep focusing on the breath right in the middle of the motion right in the middle of the anger, right in the middle of the fear, right in the middle of the grief. Okay, is that a little clearer? Great. Okay, I'll see you Tuesday. Okay, take care. And the last one. Uh, Douglas. I thought I unmuted you. Oh, yeah. Oh, unmute. Yeah. Douglas, are you here? I am. I am. Hello there. Hi. Hi. Uh, that was really lovely uh, being able to tune in and, and listen to um, the, uh, some of the uh, shares uh, earlier. Really beautiful. And I just want to thank you for um, these beautiful sanghas and, um, and for the opportunity for us all, for our hearts to be opened in this way together. Um, so that, that was all just a, a thank you're, you. You're welcome. I'm happy to be here with you, really. It's good. Yeah, it's good for much. all of us. It really is. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Okay. You're welcome. And Jeff, uh, where are you, Jeff? Um, should we say something about Donna? Can you do that? Um, sure. As we end tonight. Yeah. So I think um, uh, folks know the, the word Donna is generosity in Pali. And um, San Francisco Insight has operated on generosity of the Sangha for many years. Uh, and now uh, when we're offering teachings online, we have a, um, we have a, uh, donate button on our website and that donate button will take you to PayPal and uh, the very first page of the PayPal screen there's a little bit of, there's a little drop down menu and it indicates for which uh, teaching you want to donate for and so for example tonight it's the Sunday night sit for Eugene's class, Tuesday and Thursday, it'll say Satipatthana Sutta class, etc. And that way, that's going to help us allocate the dana better now that we're doing um, only these online teachings uh, during this time. Great. So thank you for your generosity. Great. Thank you, Jeff. And thank you, everybody, for your dana. We appreciate it. It's helpful. Um, We'll just sit for a moment and offer a sharing of merit. 
acknowledging our good fortune that even in this difficult time of the COVID-19 pandemic, we can study the Dharma together, we can get together even online and start to remember, realize, discover Buddha, Dharma, Sangha, the three jewels as they're called of awakening of the truth and of our total interconnectedness, which COVID-19 is waking us up to every day, our total interconnectedness. And we wish that our good fortune, our blessings of having the Dharma and the opportunity to wake up, uh, go out in every direction, in every realm, in every world. May all beings realize the goodness of who and what they are and the freedom that's here as we see the awareness that is manifest in every being. May all beings be happy and peaceful. May all beings be free from suffering, from the suffering that's an add-on to the ups and downs and difficulty of human life. May all beings be free and realize their Buddha nature, their loving awareness, their consciousness that is unbounded. May all beings discover the truth of who and what we are. May we all wake up together. Thank you, everybody. See you either Tuesday and Thursday, or I'll see you next Sunday. Okay, be well. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.